Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, and welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. Mike Randall, Gus Kearns are your hosts. We're so happy to have you in. Thank you for carving out some time for the podcast during the busy holiday season. Happy holidays, everybody out there. Hope everybody's getting their errands done. Hope everybody is, you know, creating that holiday magic that's needed. Uh, and uh, remember, concentrate on the give. Don't forget about the give this season, folks. And um, speaking of giving, if you're interested in what you're listening to and really liking what you're listening to, give us a follow on Twitter at SDS Podcast. Uh, we love to interact with you guys. We love to hear what you think. We love to hear you some thoughts on uh, what the podcast is doing for you guys or what you think and maybe some other college basketball news out there. So, uh, you know, give us a follow. If you'd like to hear what the show is up to uh, and, and, and contribute, you can hit us up on Gmail, sdspodcast.gmail.com. Please do. Love to hear from you guys and interact with everybody. And uh, if you're looking for screen-to-screen stuff on print or to read or to, you know, uh, absorb with your eyes instead of just your ears like you usually do, please visit up randallrant.com. Mike has an unbelievable website set up. It's got some fantasy football stuff on there for you guys. He's got some college basketball stuff on there. We have our rankings each week. Mike does an unbelievable job with a short corner write-up each week for you guys to give you a rundown of what's gone down in the college basketball landscape. So you're looking for stuff on print? There it is for you. So concentrate on the give this season, people. And Hopefully, we'll give you a little information on a couple of the games that have happened the past couple of days, and we can give you a little uh, preview of what's moving forward, and we're going to give you a couple answers to your questions from the mailbag. We sent out uh, a little request for some questions for the mailbag for this podcast, and we'll get to those uh, later on. So if you sent in a question, stay tuned in, and we'll give you a little shout-out later on. Let's get into the games. What do you say? Hey, on Thursday, oh, man, I'll tell you what. This Gonzaga-San Diego State game was worth the watch. As a Gonzaga fan, you guys know that this one uh, you know, broke my heart a tiny bit. I was kind of pulling for the Zags here. But also, I have to tell you, I was also invested because I wanted to see San Diego State represent the Mount, uh, Mountain West properly because in the I Believe section a couple podcasts back, I told you I believe that the Mountain West is going to get multiple bids and this win does nothing but... Uh, bolster that prediction. So, I don't know. I'm going to play both sides of the sword here if that's okay with everybody. So, Gonzaga, you know, playing, you know, your first road game, especially during these uh, finals weeks when, you know, students are on vacation and uh, student athletes are out of their normal uh, routines and so on and so on. Um, But it was a great game. Unbelievable win by San Diego State. Those two freshmen they have, players, ballers, legit difference makers. Really impressed with those guys. They might have been the two best players on the floor for the majority part of the game. Really outplayed the Gonzaga backcourt. And I think this this reminisces back to last year. If you guys hit the rewind button with me a little bit and go back to that senior night where Gonzaga had BYU in and they, they ended up dropping that game. And you thought, oh, you know, they're just going to roll to another win on senior night, you know, in the kennel at the MAC. And uh, guess what happened? Late game situation. They put the ball in Perkins' hands, and Perkins fumbled it out of bounds, turnover, BYU wins and pulls the big upset. Similar script here for the San Diego State game. Put the ball in Perkins' hands, gets fouled, misses two free throws in a crucial situation. 
You wonder with Melson and Perkins, they're unbelievable athletes. They're really top shelf. They can match up with any backcourt uh, in America athletically. But can they match up with any backcourt in America with late game smarts? I don't know. I thought that might have gotten solved. Maybe Perkins might have learned from Nigel Williams-Goss last year where they were totally spoiled in the backcourt as far as like late game situations and decision making because Nigel Williams-Goss was kind of a savant in that sense. I mean, we always... They always talked about how uh, intelligent he was, and I think that totally showed in late-game situations. I mean, the, the, the guy was an unbelievable decision-maker uh, and didn't try to do too much. So putting the hands and the decision-making in Perkins and Melson's hands, I, I don't know. Maybe that's going to be the limiter for this team. And we talked about like some of the limiters for some of the other teams, uh, some of the other top-level teams for Duke. It might be their defense. Um, for Villanova, it might be the pace they play at. Um, maybe Gonzaga, it's going to be just like their, their backcourt decision-making. Great win by San Diego State. Great win for the Mountain West. Really excited that they kind of kept it rolling. Great win uh, uh, after uh, Coach Fisher go, uh, you know, left and you thought that program was not left for dead because you know Coach Fisher would do a great job. Um, and they do have some players left. Um, so I'm interested to see how San Diego State plays moving forward, and I think that's another game on the calendar for all Mountain West teams that they have to put a little asterisk next to and be like, oh, this is going to be a pain in the butt. They're going to be tough to play. So overall, Perkins, Melson, little suspect in the backcourt, great win for San Diego State, and a huge boost for the Mountain West. Uh, how about a quickie for uh, Vermont and Quinnipiac? Vermont gets a, a nice win, 80-73 to 73 over Quinnipiac. Lamb has 20. Trey Bell Haynes has 16. And uh, finally, this team is a little bit back whole. Uh, Trey Bell Haynes has been in and out of the lineup. That put a lot of uh, the stress on Lamb for him to carry the offensive load. Um, they did have, uh, not, not a distraction, but they did have the added, uh, I guess, extra layer of things to worry about with uh, the court being named for Coach Brennan, and rightfully so. Coach is amazing. Love Coach Brennan. Um, so I think they once the, all, all of those things are out of the way, they're kind of back hole, and the Catamounts can get back to work. Maybe Coach Becker can sell this as like, hey, if we play this well moving forward, we can have another undefeated run in conference. Which, again, if you look back upon that, that 16-0 in the conference last year for the Catamounts was absolutely insane and totally impressive. So Catamounts with a nice win, 80-73 over Quinnipiac. How about another interesting win? And the complete opposite of Vermont of getting whole, Texas A&M was totally splintered. They didn't have any Gilder. They had no Hogue. They had Williams in and out of the lineup. So you're, you're playing without three of your top five players. What in the world are you talking about? Texas A&M wins over Buffalo 89-73. So even without three of their top five players, Texas A&M pulls out a nice win over a really tough Buffalo team from the MAC. Um, Thank goodness for DJ Wilson. How, I mean, how lucky are they to have that guy there running the point? He had 23 and 11 and absolutely was a huge difference maker. How nice is it to have Tyler Davis, too? I mean, we talked about, um, you know, we'll talk about the, the two bigs a little bit later in, in, in our next game. But how nice is it to have two bigs when, you know, when Bob Williams isn't there to, to get some rebounds and put some putbacks? You can just rely on Tyler Davis to do the exact same thing if the other team's playing small and just go one big. Man, what a luxury. That's so nice. Really impressed with this A&M win for multiple reasons. But the biggest reason is because they were so decimated 
by suspensions and injuries and still came out with a win and still put up 89 points. I mean, I, I think they're a little underrated offensively, if you're if you're asking me. And that was that was their limiter, since we're talking limiters. That was their limiter last year. They didn't have a good ball handler. They couldn't uh, initiate offense. It, they they had trouble uh, bringing the ball up and just getting get running their stuff, for lack of a better term. And they're they're running their stuff for sure this year. I'll tell you what. <sighs> uh, we talked about the team playing two bigs. Arizona plays two bigs, and guess what? One of their bigs was in foul trouble for a lot of the game. Aiton didn't put up double-digit points or double-digit rebounds, um, I think, for the first time all season, um, not putting up double digits in one of those categories. And uh, they had to rely on Ristic, and Ristic just filled the role and played the big and put up 18 and 10. Uh, Raleigh Hawkins continues his great role after coming back from injury and puts up 20. Uh, Alonzo Trier puts up a, fi- a tidy 15. And Arizona just puts away a really sloppy-looking UConn team. We'll get to the UConn uh, team later in the mailbag section of the podcast, but I got to tell you what, this this UConn team is really vexing. I thought after they got all their guys back healthy, and I know Gilbert's out now again, and you thought that they would be a little bit more whole, they just look really disjointed and not really connected on the offensive end or the defensive end. They did compete on the defensive end. They did compete on the offensive boards. They did compete up and down the floor. But as far as offensive execution, yikes. I got to tell you, that was not what we were looking for if you're a UConn Husky fan. So Arizona beats UConn 73-58, even without a big game from Eaton. So pretty impressive Arizona there. And then we'll go one more game on Thursday. We'll go all the way out west where Kansas actually played a road game and took down Stanford 75-54. So kind of impressive win against a Stanford team, which I thought was going to be a little bit better, a little bit stronger, a little bit more composed, a little bit more competitive coming into the season. Uh, they held Travis Reed down to 12 points. Azabuki had a giant game, probably one of his best games of the season with uh, with 24 and 7. But I got to tell you what, they still need more from the bench, right? If you, if Garrett and Lightfoot are going to play this amount of minutes, like, they really, really, really need Sousa. They really need kind of to, to get into some playing shape. They need Billy Preston back. I don't think that's going to happen. But they can use a couple of more bodies to fill out that seven- or eight-man rotation that Bill Self likes to run. Because right now, it, it's kind of like a six-man rotation, if that, um, at, on their best day. So I think those guys are kind of running ragged. Um, love what Vic's doing. Uh, on, on all fronts, on the defensive end, on the offensive end. He's really versatile. They're playing him at a small ball four, like what they're trying to do there, trying to put him in like that, that Josh Jackson position, which I think was really, really productive for them last year. Um, but nice win on the road. Um, still got some question marks about Kansas, but I'll tell you what. I don't know if they're going to get it figured out, and I think, like Mike said, I think they're going to be vulnerable in the Big 12, and you know what? We'll get to that in our mailbag section as well. Um, and before we move on to the Friday's games, you know what? If you're not a college basketball fan, um, I don't know, beyond the age of 30, then I, I think the, the passing of Dick Enberg is, is something that you're, you're mourning, you're paying attention to, and... and you're a little sad about. He was the he was the play-by-play guy on the Magic Bird NCAA game. The game that put the college basketball sport on the map. 
and the reason why we have this podcast and the reason why you're paying attention to it. He's the play-by-play guy for that game. He was a play-by-play game, uh, play-by-play guy for the UCLA uh, Houston game. Unbelievable, iconic game of UCLA towards the end of their their uh, top of the mountain ride and, and and that beautiful run that we we referenced earlier with fly, fly slam and jam with Houston. He's a play-by-play guy on that as well. And then you know more recently, uh, I can still remember Mike and I watching this game together. That huge comeback in that Illinois-Arizona game back in 2005. Mike and I definitely watched that game together and witnessed that comeback. And Dick Emberg took us through that comeback play-by-play. Prayers out to the family, friends, and out to the college basketball community. And one last thing on Dick Emberg. I think this is why he was so impactful. Talking with my wife. She asked me. Hey, who's the sportscaster that passed away? I said, Dick Enberg. She goes, oh, I used to listen to him with my grandfather while we watched golf on his porch when I was little. Oh, he's the guy that used to announce Wimbledon back in the day. I said, yeah, he sure was. So Dick Enberg had that unique versatility as an announcer that got into your house and got into your family and, 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 and infiltrated your, your home when TV was still the only media that you could absorb and consume sports with. And his voice was calming, it was becoming, and it was welcoming. So, Dick Enberg, thank you for all you did. Be missed dearly. We'll literally turn the page of the notebook and head to the Friday games. Still a couple Friday games to take down. We're going to miss out on Loyola and Missouri State. Really want to put my eyes on that game, but we're, we're giving you guys the podcast instead. Uh, along with X and, and uh, Xavier and uh, uh, University of Northern Iowa, uh, Davidson, New Mexico State, totally going to stay up late and watch that one. Uh, Texas, Alabama, uh, Southern Illinois, and Nevada. And, uh, you know, if you're really, really, really a night owl, how about that Miami-Hawaii game, right? So we're, gonna, we're not going to touch on those games. Those games are gonna be, uh, go, either going to be either going on while we're recording the pod or uh, a little bit later on afterwards. But how about some of the, the Friday action that we did see, right? How about that Middle Tennessee-Princeton game, huh? Giddy Potts doing his thing, huh? Princeton totally live. Shout out to the Ivy. Ivy playing live again. Princeton, you knew was going to be live in this game after playing USC and getting the win in overtime. But I think asking them to come up with two upset wins in two days is a little much so Middle Tennessee beats Princeton 69-67 on a giddy pot step back jumper with four seconds left. And you know what the other cool thing about this game was too? David Simmons, big man from Middle Tennessee State. He only made one field goal in the game. You know what that field goal was? It was off a pick and roll, out of a timeout, great call by Coach Davis, and he gets a basket with under a minute to go to get Middle Tennessee State up one, up two. Princeton comes down and ties it, and Giddy does his thing. Nick King continues to do his thing. Holy smokes. Guy's averaging 23.7 boards, 6'7", 225 pounder. is an absolute mismatch and a nightmare. Another good game for him. 
he is I mean, when we talk about like those breakout players, you mentioned like Luke May, Jordan Murphy. I think you gotta throw Nick King's name in there for Middle Tennessee. Absolute monster. Great win for Middle Tennessee State. And you know what? Ivy keeps repping. The Ivy keeps showing up. Shout out to Dr. Tony and his Ivy. You know, this wasn't Columbia, but Princeton playing well again. Middle Tennessee State with a great win against a very live Princeton team. You know what the other another game that I had my eyes on, which was kind of vexing. I I, I don't get it. I want to love Temple so much. I want to love Quentin Rose. I want to love that backcourt. I want to love Coach Dumphy. And they lose to Georgia. Georgia wins 84-66. And you know what we got to say? Yante's good. He's a really good player. I don't think that it's crazy that if Georgia continues to play the way that they're playing, number one, they might be ranked next week. Who knows? I'm not saying like, you know, we're going to put them in the top 10 or anything. They might be in the also receiving votes or maybe scratch on top 25, depending on what happens the rest of the week. But yeah, he might be one of those guys that sneaks in, just like we mentioned Nick King. I think you got to mention Yante is there in there as well. Georgia with a nice win over a live Temple team. Man, Arizona State's ridiculous, aren't they? Aren't they just insane? They win 104-65 over Pacific. And let's just call it what it is right now. Arizona State is the Houston Rockets three years ago when Daryl Morey decided we're going to run this team like an analytics team. And we're just going to shoot a whole bunch of threes, try to shoot a whole bunch of layups, a whole bunch of foul shots. And we're going to get guys that can make threes, make layups, and make foul shots. And then we'll figure it out on the defensive end. Now, fast forward to this year with the Houston Rockets. They actually have it kind of figured out on the defensive end, uh, thanks to Clint Capella and Chris Paul playing like really strong on the defensive end. And they signed uh, uh, Tucker and Abadamute. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think of the other. Uh, uh, maybe the Trevor Ariza, I think, is on there as well. So they have some defenders to go along with Harden, who's so good with the ball in his hands, um, and, and Paul, who's an absolute wizard with the ball in his hands. And a great three-point shooter. So Arizona State is actually like the Houston Rockets a couple of years ago when they were just going to say, okay, we're going to try to score this way and then we'll figure out how to defend later. And I feel like that's where Arizona State is at now. They've figured out the offensive end. They haven't figured out for real. Like they are shooting threes at an unbelievable rate. They're getting a line crazy amount. They're shooting layups. I mean, Trey Holder is amazing. Remy Martin is absolute blast. How cool is that guy to watch? I mean, that guy does something that is worth watching. He, I feel like he's just like a, a notch below Trey Young as far as like must-watch players uh, in the nation. I mean, I, I think you can put him there. I don't think that's crazy. Um, he does something so spectacular, um, so out of the ordinary, uh, very playground-ish. And you know what is cool? Coach Hurley lets him do it. Coach Hurley gives him that freedom. And I think that's part of the success here with Arizona State is they actually have a coach. He's not like there, there's no CEO or, or GM like uh, like Morley for the for the Rockets here. It, it's all Coach Hurley. He took a look at the analytics. He decided we're going to play this way. He decided to give these guys this freedom. They're, it's so fun watching this team play. I hope they just continue to do what they're doing and they continue to entertain all college basketball fans everywhere. Um, speaking of entertaining, how about Trey Young? How ridiculous is this guy? Oklahoma puts up 104 as well. And they just blast Northwestern. Last year's darling, beauty, unbelievable love story. 
they blast them 104-78 and just like totally outclass them. I don't get it. Trey Young has another amazing game, 31 and, and 31 and 12. He hits eight threes. He's he's eight for twelve. He totally looked Macintosh, who's like an all Big Ten point guard, totally ordinary. I don't get it. He continues to make people look ordinary. He continues to make top-ranked teams look ordinary. He continues to make great college basketball players look ordinary while he looks spectacular. If you're looking for the player of the year, I think you found him right here, right now. This could change moving forward. Big 12 season is a grind. You know that as well as anybody other college basketball fan out there. You know, when they play, have to play West Virginia and... and, and um, and, and, and get into the crux of that season. Things might change, but right now, man, how fun is this kid? He is really, really enjoyable, and he is the story of college basketball along with Arizona State right now. Another guard that we love, Jalen Adams, guess what? Just pulled over a nice OT win. St. Bonaventure, 60 over Syracuse. 57 in OT. Huge A-10 win for the Bonnies. Huge win for the conference. Very similar profile to the Gonzaga-San uh, Diego State game where it was not just a win for the Bonnies, but as a win for the whole entire conference. And this moving forward is going to look pretty good on their resume. I tell you, now that they're whole, Matt Mobley had been holding down the fort while Jalen Adams was out and getting healthy. And now that they're both back, this team is dangerous. Man, what a win in OT. Really impressed with the Bonnies. And another game that I got my, my eyes on, and, and Dana Caldwell from uh, from down in Florida told us, get your eggnog ready for this game. And he wasn't lying because it did not disappoint. Wichita State, number 11, beats up and just pulls away in the last minute on Florida Gulf Coast, 75-65. This was a one-point game with about a minute to go, and Wichita State pulled away late, one-point game. Uh, with, you know, with about a minute to go, the matchup of Goodwin and Shamit did not disappoint. Goodwin had twenty-eight and three. Shamit had twenty-three-five and three threes. Those two guys played like the top-level guards that they are. Man, Connor Frankamp hit a huge corner three off of a, a Landry Shamit. Uh, a uh, split of a double team on a bailed out pick and roll, and he kicks it out to Fran Camp in the corner. And Fran Camp, you know, from about two feet behind the two uh, three point line in the corner, cans a three, and that was kind of the difference. And then, and then Wichita started to pull away after that shot. Man, Shockers get a great win. And you know what? Florida Gulf Coast totally needed this win, but they played totally live. I think moving forward, they can use this game as like a get-right game and say, like, look, if we play this hard, we play this well, we execute this well, we're going to beat most of the teams in the Atlantic Sun. So, like, I think moving forward, I think that I, I know it's crazy to say, like, bad, this is a bad loss, but, or, or it's a good loss, but I, I, I think it could be framed as a good loss for Florida Gulf Coast. Excellent, nice win for Wichita State. They got right on the defensive end, only giving up 65 points. So Wichita State gets back into character after yielding 50 points in halves time after time after time. Um, so again, we're not going to get to some of the games uh, later on this evening. They're still to be contested. But how about we get to a little bit 
of the mailbag. Does that sound okay with everybody? We got four. Uh, I'm gonna shoot four mailbag mailbag questions out there. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, how about Z from the lawn? And Z from the lawn asks, screen the screener. Name a few teams that can give other teams problems in March due to their defensive philosophies. All right, Z from the lawn. I got a little list for you. How's that? How about team that's playing tonight? How about Xavier's 1-3-1? Super unique. They always seem to live in the Sweet 16, and part of that is due to their unique 1-3-1 defense. And you know Mac always has length on the wings of the 1-3-1 and is anchored by a big man. And they do have two big men, you know, Mira and Cantor, that can do that. So Xavier, and I think if we're going to mention 1-3-1, we got to mention Baylor, right? Baylor always has that unique uh, 1-3-1 with ultra-long athletes. You think Jolo, you think Motley, uh, you think Austin a few years back, right? Where they have that length on the inside that can really cover a lot of ground. Uh, so Baylor, Xavier, we'll put them in the same category for their 1-3-1. I think you have to mention UVA. Uh, their pack line is absolutely insane. They get unbelievable coverage from the rim out to the three-point line. They chase uh, three-point shooters off the line and defend the three-point line at an unbelievable level. And because the three-point shot is such a weapon now in the college game as well as NBA, I think you have to pay attention to them. Plus, they are the number one rated team in Ken Palm in defensive efficiency. So I think UVA is on this list as well. Another name that you might not think might be on this list, uh, Z, is Miami. I think Miami needs to be included on this list for their principles on the perimeter. Their principles on the perimeter are very strong. They can switch with all of those really athletic, gifted guards out there. So I think Miami is also on this list. I think the limiter with Miami might be their lack of bigs inside uh, to play a racer if any of the mistakes are made on the perimeter. I think you have to put West Virginia on this list simply because of their unique press. Javon Carter is leading the, the nation in steals. I think anytime you have the nation's leader in steals and you have this uh, unorthodox type uh, defense that puts everybody on edge, you have to put them on the list as well. How about these? How about these other teams? How about SMU? You didn't think SMU would be on this list, did you? Yeah, SMU is interesting because they don't really play a true big, but they switch everything. They're so interchangeable on defense and on offense, but on defense, they are, are able to switch pretty much everything if they get out of place. So they're never really covered. There's never really a blown coverage. Uh, there's never really the open man streaking down the sideline for the touchdown uh, against SMU. So I think SMU also has to be on the list simply because of their switching defense. Uh, I have another three-pack for you. How about Texas, uh, Central Florida, and UNLV? The reason I include these guys in there, you might think, like, they're not going to make noise. But I think they have erasers. They have Bamba, they have Fall, and they have McCoy that can erase any mistakes immediately inside. So I think they have to be mentioned as well. And Z, I think you will like the last two that we're going to mention, Michigan State and Villanova. I'm going to include these two together because they have the same similarities uh, uh, on defense, and they're really efficient. One, the pace of play that they uh, that they play at. I think that is a huge advantage. And because they play at a certain pace, they actually control the number of possessions the other team gets. 
underrated on the defensive end. Also, Villanova and Michigan State have underrated length at every position. I know Brunson's a little slight, but besides Brunson, there's really there's great length for both Villanova and Michigan State at every position. Three, how about smarts? Villanova players always play smart. Michigan State players always play smart. That's because they have smart coaching staffs. Uh, that's because they, they, they preach it every day in practice. So their defensive smarts is another factor. And their versatility. They can similar to SMU. They can do it. They can switch a lot on the perimeter. And um, Michigan State does have the luxury of having Jackson inside to erase a whole bunch of shots. So there's your list. Z about Xavier and Baylor with their one three one, UVA with their pack line, uh, Miami with their principles on the perimeter, uh, West Virginia with their press and Javon Carter just being a terror, SMU with their versatility and switching everything, uh, Texas, uh, Central Florida, and UNLV with their erasers in the back. And how about Michigan State and Villanova for a combination of all of those things? So, Z, thanks for the question. I hope that helps answer uh, what you're looking for in March. Let's go to Paul from Canterbury. Paul had a very unique question. Paul says, hey, screen the screener. If you had a team of NBA rookies versus a team of college basketball freshmen, who would it be? Who would win? Man, I love I love playing uh, GM. Thanks for letting us play GM, Paul from Canterbury. All right, so here's my draft for the rookies this year in the NBA. Got to put Tatum. Got to put Mitchell. I'm putting Lori Markin in. I'm putting De'Aaron Fox. And that's right, I'm not going Lonzo Ball. I'm going Kuzman from the Lakers. That's my five. So I got Tatum, Mitchell, uh, Markin, Kuzman, and Fox. You know who they're going to play? They're going to play Bagley, Michael Porter, I know he hasn't played a game yet, but he still qualifies as a freshman. DeAndre Ayton, and I'm going to put um, Lonnie Walker and, of course, Trey Young because I need another ball handler next to Young, and I want him to have the majority of the ball handling duties. Um, so there's your matchup. I think the matchup of Tatum and Bagley is really interesting. Tatum is proving to be, um, I don't know, probably the best rookie right now. Um, I know you were going to say Ben Simmons, uh, but I'm going to leave him out of the equation since he – I was in the league and was in the program and so on and so on. So I'm going to leave him out of the equation. So I think that's an interesting matchup. Maybe Bagley has a little bit of an advantage there with his length. Um, I'm going to say Aiton and Marketing is pretty nasty and pretty cool because they're both Arizona guys. Uh, how about Mitchell and Walker? Talk about athlete on athlete. I can see Walker having an impact that's very similar to Mitchell's having this year for the Jazz. Uh, you know, and then you have, you know, Kuzman and Porter Jr. I think if you were projecting for, forward for Porter, you would expect him to have the impact that Kuzman is having right now, maybe at a little higher level as, as long as the, um, uh, as long as the medicals come out clean. And of course, Trey Young and, Fo- and Fox. That's a nasty matchup. Quick on quick, breakdown on breakdown. You know, Young is a better shooter, but Bo- Fox might be a better penetrator. So, Paul from Canterbury. I'm going to take the NBA rookies there just because they might be a little bit harder. Uh, they might be a little bit tougher. They, they, you know, they might have a little bit more experience. And you know who's paying the bill afterwards? It's the NBA rookies. That's for sure. So Paul from Canterbury, thanks for the question. Thanks for letting us play GM. Just to run down Paul's question, we had Tatum, Mitchell, Lord Market, and Kuzman and Fox versus uh, Bagley, Porter Jr., DeAndre Ayton, Lonnie Walker, and Trey Young. Really cool question. Thanks, Paul from Canterbury. Then we had Kevin from Falls Road. 
Kevin from Frawls Road's question was super simple. He just said, hey, what's UConn's, prog- what's UConn's uh, prediction moving forward in March? Are they going to be any good? Nope. Plain and simple. Nope. They just don't have it figured out. I thought that everybody getting healthy, uh, uh, Gilbert getting healthy, uh, Terry Larier getting healthy, um, I thought Jalen Adams having less of responsibility on the offensive end because those guys are healthy. I thought they would have a lot of things solved. Um, you know Kevin Ali's uh, success with guards. Uh, you can go back to Boatwright. You can go back to uh, Shabazz. Like He had great success with these guys, so you thought that that success would translate to this batch of guards, but it hasn't. So Kevin from Falls Road, guess what? I'm sorry. They're just not going to make the tournament unless they win the conference tournament and make a run like they did a couple of years ago with uh, with Boatwright. But I don't, I don't see that happening simply because they just don't seem very connected on offense. They seem really disjointed. They seem very selfish. They seem like a very go-for-mine type team. Their assist to field goals made ratio is really low. I just don't like the makeup and I don't like the profile of this particular Husky team. Now that I've seen them play a couple times, not – I don't have good things to tell you, Kevin. I'm really, really sorry. Last mailbag question is from John. Um, oh, and John is actually at Bracketologist3. He does uh, some great Bracketology stuff and does some awesome Player of the Year write-ups. Up, write so uh, thank you, John. Uh, totally appreciate you guys, uh, for, for you chiming in. He asked a really interesting question. He asked, who's going to finish last in the Big 12? All right. So here we go, Jonathan. I just did like a quick rundown of every team. And I just did best player and coach. And I just went with who do I think is the least of this combination. All right. Listeners, you know, feel free to chime in. Hit us up on uh, uh, Twitter if you agree or disagree. Here are the teams that I thought had no chance coming in last. TCU. They got Dixon and they have Williams. Love what Dixon's doing there as coach. And Kendrick Williams is one of my favorite players in college basketball this year, averaging a double-double. So, no, I like that combination. How about Texas Tech? Coach Beard, Evans, like both of them, heading in the right direction, trending. They play hard. There's no way they're going to get cheated. Like that combination. Can't see them finishing last. Uh, Oklahoma? Yeah, enough said there. Long Kruger, Trey Young? Are you kidding me? Forget about it. They're not finishing last. How about West Virginia? Hugs? Gotta love hugs. And how about Javon Carter? Javon Carter's, a, like you mentioned, Jonathan, is a top 10 player in the country right now. Gotta love that combination. How about the Baylor Bears? Coach Drew, Jolo, maybe. You can even throw him on a comp in there if you're good. I like that combination a lot. Really like Coach Drew. Think he's underrated. Kansas, Mike Randall's nemesis, Bill Self. And I'm gonna say Vic is the best player on that team. So I like both. I like the Hall of Famer and the small ball four. Do everything, Vic. I like that combination. There's no way they're finishing last, considering they're going to go for their 14th straight. Iowa State, Coach Prom, and I really, really like Nick Wheeler-Babb. Love that they put him in the backcourt and have him running a little point. Love him as a player. I think they are going to be surprising a ton of people now that he is in the lineup. And I love what Coach Prom does. He's really creative offensively. And how about Texas? Coach Smart and Bamba. I mean, Coach Smart is one of the sharpest coaches out there. 
Bamba's probably going to go top five in the NBA draft, so no way. So you know what it comes down to? It comes down to Kansas State and Oak State. Kansas State's got uh, Coach Weber, who's been to a uh, you know championship game, and they got Brown in the backcourt. And then you got Oak State, new coach Boyton, and you got Jeffrey Carroll. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Oklahoma State is going to finish last, and they might have an All Big Twelve player on their team in Jeff Carroll. As crazy as that sounds, so there's your answer, Jonathan. Oklahoma State is going to finish last with one of the best players in the league. Tough questions out there. Hey, we just wanted to finish up with a couple of ahoys. We want to say ahoy out there. Thank you for the nice review on iTunes. Hey, if you like what you're listening to here on Screen to Screener Podcast, please hit us up on iTunes over the holiday break. Give us a five-star review. You give us a five-star review and a shout-out Guess and a nice review. Guess what? You get a shout-out. Just like Tom underscore Jersey Shore. Thank you, Tom Jersey Shore. He had some nice things to say on his review. I totally appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Ahoy out there to at Saturdays in Reno. He took up a recommendation from one of our loyal listeners at T-L-E-M-I-E-U-X-T-L-E-M-U and said, hey, screen the screener. Great college, ba- college basketball podcast out there. He Twitters back. Hey, just subscribe. Thank you, guys. So thank you out there, guys. Totally appreciate it. Ahoy, cilantro, gratulatia. Listeners, happy holidays. Hope you enjoy time with your family. Hope you enjoy time with your friends. Hope you enjoy time catching up on things that you have put off all year and that you come back in the new year renewed, refreshed, and replenished. So thankful that you guys tune in and give us a chance each time we pop on your phone or your computer. So thank you for clicking on it listening to it, and we hope that we give you exactly what you need, a little more college basketball knowledge. Thank you, listeners out there. Happy holidays. Please enjoy.